Lawn Kings, headquartered in Los Angeles, California, is a synthetic grass company specializing in front and backyard transformations. Lawn Kings sells and expertly installs synthetic grass for homes, commercial buildings, sports fields, and theme parks in the Southern California area. Lawn Kings has perfected their craft over the last decade, and the majority of their business comes by way of referrals from happy customers. Lawn Kings synthetic grass is safe for kids and pets and can dramatically reduce your water bill. The grass is very low maintenance and comes with a long-term warranty. If you'd like a free estimate, head over to LawnKingsInc.com and tell them Jamie from Murderish sent you. I know the owner on a first-name basis because, well, he's my husband. My husband Steve has owned and operated Lawn Kings for the last 10 years, and he's a licensed contractor. He got his start in the business building outdoor sets for the movie industry for almost 20 years. He really knows his stuff, and he's kind of a nice guy. So head over to LawnKingsInc.com if you'd like more information or a free estimate in the Los Angeles or surrounding areas. Hey everyone, it's Jamie. Welcome to another episode of Murderish. I'm glad you're here. If you haven't listened to the Dirty John podcast, then this episode of Murderish won't make much sense to you. Please subscribe and listen to the Dirty John podcast, and then come back and listen to this episode, as well as the Murderish episodes featuring Tara Newell and Tanya Bales. With all of that said, I'm really excited about this episode because I got to have a conversation with Emily Meehan, who is Dirty John's oldest daughter. Emily's mother is Tanya Bales, who you all heard from in Episode 9 of Murderish. Emily and her sister, Abby, were not emphasized much in the Dirty John podcast or the Dateline episode featuring the Dirty John saga. The focus was mostly on Deborah Newell and her family. This made me especially excited to talk to Emily because her side of the story really hasn't been told. Until now, that is. Emily was five years old when her parents divorced. In true Dirty John fashion, John Meehan left his family and drained their bank account, leaving Tanya with only $23 to support herself as well as her two daughters. Emily opened up about her life with and without John Meehan and gives great insight into who John was as a father. She also talks about the half-sister she has as a result of one of John's affairs, as well as the medical condition John had which made his organs ineligible to donate after he died. Emily is a lot like her mom, strong, smart, and driven. She's about to graduate from Augusta University with a degree in nursing. She talked about the possibility of becoming a midwife after she graduates. She's got a fun YouTube channel called M and Dex. That's E, Emma's and Mary, the ampersand sign, and Dex, D-E-X. I hope all of you will enjoy hearing from Emily as much as I did. So let's get into it. Hey, Emily, it's Jamie. Thanks so much for taking my call and taking some time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. Of course. I had so much fun talking to your mom yesterday. She's a really, really (laughs) cool lady. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) So, yes, I just, um, it's been so interesting, obviously, with the success of the Dirty John podcast. You know, everybody's just so fascinated by the story. Luckily, it had such a you know, there was a good outcome for all of you guys who are innocent people, you know, involved in the whole thing. But um, it's just been so fascinating. And so I was really excited to talk to not only Tara, but your mom, you and your sister, because I always like to know just a little bit more about 
like the characters in the story and kind of what your thoughts were, you know, regarding it. I'm sure it was, you know, a life changing event, not only for, you know, what happened to John, but then also just the, the success of this podcast, right? Definitely. Yeah. So um, I'll dive right in. I have got, you know, plenty of questions for you. What were some of your memories from the time when John was still in your life? I do not have that many memories of him actually when we all lived together as a family. Um, I remember big events like my sister being born Mm -hmm. and um, small things like that. But most of my memories are of when we had visitation together. And there was also visitation with my counselor in the counseling office. And we always had to have a supervisor, whether that be a family friend, one of John's sisters, and ironically, my stepdad. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I think my dad, he actually requested for my stepdad, Augie, to be a supervisor. Mm -hmm. And that was just one of the manipulative ways that he tried to get at my family was for him to be watching as Mm -hmm. He spent time with me and my sister. Wow. Almost just to kind of like rub it in sort of. Absolutely. Yes. Wow. Wow. That's, I didn't, I didn't know that. So John, Mm -hmm. your biological father is basically making sure that your stepdad, who sounds like he was, you know, your stepdad played a very good fatherly role for you and sister. And he just wanted to like take a dig at him. It sounds like. Yes. Oh, that's so crazy. I don't know why I'm so shocked by every time I learn something new about mm-hmm. Ian, you know, I don't know why I'm shocked because, but I am shocked because mm-hmm. it's almost just like non-human. He was so vindictive and just so like him against the world, it seemed like, and he was just going right. to get back at everybody. Right. And in hindsight, I mean, I was really young. I was five years old when they got divorced, but You know, you start to, after this podcast, I really ask myself, did he have the ability to love? And if he did, that would hopefully have been me and my sister. But my mom went through hell in court trying to get custody. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if those intentions of his were actually to get custody or just to even more so drag her along. Um, yeah, that's always been a question of mine that unfortunately won't be answered, but something I've thought about. I can understand that. Like that. And that was actually one of my questions is that, I mean, looking back, like you said, it seems like almost everything John Meehan did mm-hmm. calculated to serve mm-hmm. him and not to serve the other person. But you would think at the very least, if he's going to have a real connection with someone, it would be his mm-hmm. children. And that, that was my question to you. Is it like looking back, do you feel like he ever had a real human connection with you and your sister, even just even in the slightest? Um, that's a hard question because, well, when I, when I was younger, I obviously felt loved, but Mm -hmm. I was confused Mm -hmm. because he never showed up to any of me and my sister's dance competitions. My mom always extended that invite. Sometimes we would be out and my mom would be getting errands done, be getting ready for my dad to come pick me up for these scheduled visitations. And we would come home. There would be gifts on the front porch, 
but he did not wait to come and pick us up. Mm -hmm. Um, But then again, I asked myself, I wonder if it would have been different if I was a boy. Sure. And I say that because it seems like John did not like women. Yes. And even though I was a little girl, I just, I just wonder if it would have been different if I was a son. Yeah. And, you know, girls always really take after their mother and follow their mother. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it just would have been different in that aspect. That's interesting to hear you say that. And I can totally see where you're going with that because he did. And I don't know what caused it. I know that it sounds like, you know, your mm-hmm. father, John, did have some serious dysfunction, you know, as in mm-hmm. family growing up. And maybe that's mm-hmm. the cause of all this. But I wonder if there's something to it where, you know, obviously it, it seems like his dad was the most dysfunctional, but mm-hmm. perhaps John, um, had animosity toward his mother and like carried it through his life and just had this, you know, vendetta against women. And like you said, it could even carry into his own children possibly because you were, were female. Definitely. Oh my gosh. That's so interesting. Yeah. I, I, that was one of my biggest curiosities is if you and your sister, you know, really felt like there was any time I, I like, I want to know, did John have the ability to connect with anybody on a human level? And of course, right. you know, so it's just, and there's, I don't think there's any definitive answer, but I, it just sounds like he, he really struggled to connect with anybody. I think a great example and maybe a possible answer is actually the last time he talked to me and, mm-hmm. uh, my family had moved from Ohio to Georgia which I'm pretty sure my mom had to get permission to do so wow. with like the court and moving states. Mm-hmm. But I was going into seventh grade. I had a cell phone that he had given me surprisingly. So that would be our main contact way of contact. And I'm not quite sure, but I wasn't answering his calls. It was getting kind of harder Um, I wasn't really looking forward to his calls or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I think he kind of sent me a text that I wasn't too happy about. And I said, I know what you've done. You've been mean to my mom, so on and so forth. And he texted me something along the lines of one day you'll find out the truth. And then he cut off my phone and he never talked to me again. So... I wonder if that was easy for him, Mm -hmm. but I don't think the podcast touched. He had photos of me framed in the apartment he was living in. Mm. At what point, like at what time in his life was this? This was when he died, that business office he was living in. Uh There was that famous photo of him taking a picture of himself with his shirt off in the mirror. If you look on his right shoulder in the back, that is a framed picture of me as a little girl. Oh, okay. So he used me and Abby and his father figure as a way to attract women. Mm -hmm. And he had his match.com photo at one time was of me and him. So I don't know about that. Yeah. Just kind of going back to, you know, just whatever will serve him. Like you Mm want to believe that your father has a framed photo of you as a little girl because he wants a reminder and he loves. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. That's not why. 
gosh, that's just, it's so terrible. And I'm just, you know, I've, I've been fascinated by the true crime genre for years. You know, I've always watched, you know, certain true crime documentaries and Mm -hmm. I listen to a bunch of true crime podcasts, but I think what fascinates me the most is just the psychology of it all and to how Mm -hmm. like somebody like John and these other people who could kill or do very nefarious things, like how, how is it that their brain is so different from the average human being? I just Mm -hmm. would love to like study John's brain because I'm just so fascinated by he's as close to like non-human as you Mm -hmm. can get, it seems. And that just fascinates me. Well, it's ironic when the podcast came out, I'm actually getting my BSN in nursing. So I'm in nursing school and I was in my psychology course. So I'm learning what a psychopath is, what a sociopath is. And I mean, I was checking off Mm. what these, what these people, what the traits they have. Mm -hmm. And I think what surprises me and what interests me is how successful he was at one point. Yes. And how smart he actually is. Even though he did fail out of law school, I'm sure he could have made it. But he went through nursing school, which one is not mm-hmm. by any means. And he went to anesthesia school, which that's a successful career. Mm-hmm. And then again, some of the things he did questions my thoughts of his intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way he went about things. If he was so articulate some of the things just I question. So, so do and and I absolutely agree too. It's like it, there is no question that John was highly intelligent. I mean, at, mm-hmm. even from a kid. I mean, they said you know he was getting straight A's and school just came easy for him. And and to be running these scams, you know, successfully for so long, or to I I shouldn't say successfully because it almost right. it would blow up in his face. But then he would regroup and do it again. And right. he had his scam you know, strategy down packed and Mm -hmm. he was able to do it for a long time. And unfortunately Mm -hmm. it does take an intelligent person to be able to pull that off. Mm -hmm. Do you think that he started making mistakes though? Because a lot of, not because he wasn't intelligent, but because of the drugs. Do you think that that affected obviously, you know, the way he would think and, and maybe he slipped up on his game because he was on drugs? Well, One of the things that um, I've talked about with my mom is there comes a point in a drug addict where they just need drugs to function. Mm -hmm. So on some level, he might have not been high all the time, but if he wasn't feeding his drug habit, then then he definitely, his game, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. wouldn't be on point Mm -hmm. with with these schemes. Mm -hmm. So... There's that to take into consideration, but definitely drugs probably helped him make mistakes. But it was surprising to me that he had no money saved. And I would ask if I could, what was your end point? Mm -hmm. Did you think you were going to stay with Deborah forever? And that was your golden ticket Mm -hmm. to your like retirement and not having to worry because he was getting older. Sure. And it's still a question whether he knew if he had kidney cancer or not. Mm. Um, that's what they found in the autopsy and ultimately why he couldn't donate any of his organs. But I wonder, I just wonder what, what are you trying to get at? Yeah, because I, I knew, cause I just wonder, obviously 
an average human being who's a logical thinker would go, well, I've got to figure something out because these, mm-hmm. this is not, this is not a good long-term strategy for me. Right. Right. But I just wonder if he was so hard in my, like so arrogant that he truly mm-hmm. thought like, no, I can do this forever. This is going to work out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's insane. It's just, it's it also, I find it interesting how quickly things went south with him and Deborah versus mm-hmm. him and your mom. He was able to maintain for like 10 years with your mom, you know, give or take. That is something no one understands. Mm-hmm. And when I talked to my mom, she, it was a normal marriage. Yeah. A happy marriage. She had two kids. They had a house. They were both successful in their careers. And my mom barely takes a sip of alcohol. And mm-hmm. that's, I don't think anyone understands how that happened. And part of me is like, okay, did he actually maybe really love my mom at one point? Mm-hmm. I mean, you think for someone like that, that wouldn't last. Sure. So that's a big question mark in my head as well. Yeah. But it seems as soon as he was able to access surgical narcotics, then he was like, okay, I have my life. Yeah. I don't, I don't need this life anymore. Yeah, it seems like maybe that was a turning point for him. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. certainly it seems like by the time he was with Deborah, his drug abuse had gotten much worse. And he his, he was probably internally in a lot worse shape, you know, just from the long-term drug use. Who knows? And maybe that's why it blew up in his face, you know, so quickly with her versus your mom. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But that that fascinates me that he was able to sustain for like a decade with mm-hmm. your mom. And then in the end, he was just spiraling down like quickly. So very much so. Yeah. So interesting. So I know you mentioned earlier that after your mom and John uh, separated, he wasn't really, you know, coming to any of your dance rehearsals or anything like that. But when they were together, did John do normal dad things with you guys, like take you to soccer or make you lunch for school or, or any of those things? I want to say yes, and I like to refer to him in those years as like a Disney dad, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. over the top gifts, just trying to make him like pipe himself up mm-hmm. as being a good father. But when reality, he would get home from work, and this is what my mom tells me. She'd be like, okay, I'm going to go cook dinner, spend time with your kids, and he'd be in the room with us. And then he'd disappear Mm. and he would go up to his room and he'd be knocked out. Mm. And near the end, my Nana, my grandma, she, she cleans houses and she was cleaning ours and she would be finding band-aids in his socks. Uh And that's, I mean, would you ever suspect anything from a band-aid in a sock? Not at all. No. So innocent. But that's where he was injecting himself so he wouldn't have any track marks um, on his forearm. Um, but those that, from what she's told me, those are probably only the, the little subtle hints with him and us as kids, you know, Mm -hmm. but other than that, he took us, we would go to Disney world. He would be home, things like that. But I don't remember when he lived with us. Yeah. Cause you, you were young. So you're, you're the older sibling, right? Abby's a little bit younger. Yes. And how many years apart are you and Abby? We're five years apart. Oh, okay. So she was little, little, like, um, 
I know because I think I remember your mom referencing mm-hmm. a diaper bag for Abby when they were doing like the handoff yeah. the kids. Okay, so she was just a toddler. Well, when he left, I think she was only a few months old. Wow. Gosh, and that that makes the hair on my arm stand up just as a mom because mm-hmm. how hard must that have been on your mom to just be with two very young children, one of them in diapers, a baby, and she's just alone with no support. I can't imagine. And the, the cherry on top is he emptied out their bank accounts and she had $23 in her uh, wallet. That's just, I mean, that's just pure evil. I on it. I just can't even imagine mm-hmm. your mom and your mom just talking to her. I can tell she's a very strong woman and like a Absolutely. very, like I could tell, like, you know, yeah. she's very mentally strong and she's very um, logical and practical, it seems like. So mm-hmm. somehow she was able to figure out how to support you guys on her own. And I have so much respect for her. How, how did she do that? I mean, I know you were young, but maybe you've had conversations with her. How did she pick herself up with these two young daughters and do it on her own with $23, you know? We did have a family member. Um, I think it might have been her uncle or maybe it was my grandparents that did give her a fairly large sum of money. Mm-hmm. But my mom had a great career. Sure. Which a lot of a lot of moms who are stuck in that situation are not half as lucky yep. when it comes to that. So that was her only choice was to keep going. And she went to work every day. We had to move out of our house because we obviously could not afford it anymore. Sure. And um, that's, that's what she had to do. She just and did on top she had to do. Of that, yeah. And on top of that, she made sure her daughters were not going to be psychologically messed up mm-hmm. and put us into counseling very soon after just so we could talk to a third party. And it was mostly for me just because I was a little older. I kind of knew what was going on, mm-hmm. but I mean that, I don't know what, what else a super mom is. You oh, know, that's She covered all her bases. She sure did. Yeah. When I spoke with her yesterday, she was like, she just, it made so much sense. She sounds so logical and so proactive. Like the fact that she said, look, I was forced to share custody for a while with my daughters and that mm-hmm. broke my heart. But I also at the same time didn't want to instill fear in my daughters. I didn't want you know, my daughters to feel scared, but I wanted them to be aware. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was just like such a powerful statement as a mother. That's the absolute right thing to do, you know, in my mm-hmm. mind, because why would you don't want to give your daughters anxiety and fear? I mean, yes, it's a very fearful situation. And certainly your mom was afraid. But to put that on you guys would just it's not fair because you guys are just kids. But what she did do is she made you aware and she kind of like went over the rules. It sounds like like she said, you know, your dad is not allowed to check you out from school. Like she made sure that you guys understood the boundaries so that you stayed safe. I think that's just so smart of her to do that. And on top of telling us that, I mean, she had to tell our teachers, which mm-hmm. that's so confusing. Mm-hmm. And they that she had to warn, you know, if he really was going to come and get me, I don't think he was going to come and check me out. I think he was going to find what classroom I was in and just, you know, try to or go or like in recess, mm-hmm. you know, try to get me to come to him and, you know. I don't know if I would have been like, no, Mm -hmm. you know, 
I did not like school. So yeah. <laughs> any way out, I would have been like, okay, you're going to take my dad, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I do understand. And you're so young. Even and, and again, as parents, even though your mom did all the right things and letting you know the boundaries and what was okay and what was not, still as a kid, it's so easy for you to be like, oh, my dad's picking me up from recess. Yeah. Cool, let's mm-hmm. go. You know, mm-hmm. so that very well could have happened and it wouldn't have been your fault, obviously. But And even going out of the country, we we are we were planning a family cruise. And when you do that, you have to go to court. Mm. And have the parent, uh, the other parent, allow it. And he told the judge, I will sign the paper if I get one night alone with the girls. And thankfully, the judge said, hell to no, and let us go without his permission. And even on these visitations, I do remember him saying, I'm going to take you to California. I want you to meet the family you have. and." I think that was going to be his intention was to take us back to California if he had the chance. Oh my gosh. And he was even trying to manipulate the situation when your mom was just trying to take you on vacation. Mm-hmm. Luckily the judge was like, uh, no. <laughs> yes. Yes. I can see right through you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh my God. And how unfair is that? I, I totally get it that we have to have like a fair and balanced, like a, a system, right. but like how unfair right. is it that your mom has to ask basically like for his permission to take you out of the country. And what a, I mean, honestly, what a hassle, you know, what an inconvenience for her. And what what, talking about these court laws and issues, she was able to get a restraining order. But the thing with restraining orders is they expire and you are not allowed to get a new one unless they do something, Mm. which blows my mind. That's crazy. Um, But, you know, she really did feel unsafe at times. And um, even before we had Augie, it was just the three of us in a house where he knew where we lived, Mm -hmm. obviously. And um, I just wonder how hard that was for her. Oh, I I spoke with her just a little bit about it yesterday. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't even begin to understand, you know, the anxiety she probably had every single day when you don't even feel like it's the terror of. I don't know when something bad is coming, but it could be mm-hmm. right around the corner. You know, she mm-hmm. must have felt something like that. And that's just like such a terrible way to live, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm just so glad that, you know, nothing did ever, ever happen with her. And you yes. guys, and you guys are all doing well today, which is so awesome. Yes. In spite of it. I also, so I learned something new yesterday that I didn't know in that your mom said that you and your sister have a half sister and I understand she wants to stay anonymous. So we will mm-hmm. totally respect that. I'm just curious. Um, how did you feel when you learned you had a half sister and do you have any relationship with her? That was hard to hear just because of the, how close my half sister and my little sister are in age. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I don't know, but I think it's just a few months. I I mean, I'm a pretty happy-go-lucky person. So when I found out, I was like, oh, that's actually kind of interesting. But my half-sister has some medical issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does not know that John is her dad. Um, she knows that her stepdad is her real dad, her, her father. Mm-hmm. And that's how they're always going to keep it. So... 
we did not have any contact. Um, but the mom, the wife, um, I, I've actually met um, oh, when wow. I think during visitations they were actually dating. And um, I don't that I do not ever foresee us meeting or having a relationship, which is okay. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a it's a sticky it's a sticky situation. I can imagine it. It sounds. It's complicated for Mm -hmm. many Mm -hmm. reasons. And I just wonder, like for you, knowing you have, you know, like a blood, like a sister out there, would you, would you prefer to have a relationship with this person, you know, your sister, or are you okay with the fact that they're just wanting to live their lives a different way? And and Mm -hmm. so you're okay not having, like, I guess, you know, it's like that sisterly connection, you know, like, do you feel like you're missing out? Um, I don't know if I'm missing out. I kind of find peace in the fact that she's not suffering with the knowledge of who her blood dad is. Sure. And I think that kind of puts the hold on us having a relationship because she doesn't know about me and Abby. And then that would open the door of her finding out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm actually happy she doesn't know. I find peace in it. She's a very happy girl. Um, and I'm, I'm, I find peace with that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I think that's, it's a good, it's a good attitude to have. And again, mm-hmm. that it's kind of a sticky situation, but luckily, mm-hmm. um, for her own peak, she, she has not had to endure, Mm-hmm. I guess necessarily any suffering from this situation, mm-hmm. right? She's been able to Absolutely. live her life and, and, you know, and good for her, right? And she has, she has her dad. That's her dad. And it, it, it worked out. I mean, that, that's probably the only good things that have ever come from John are his daughters. Mm-hmm. And we are all doing very well in spite of him. Yeah. And if there's a light at the end of the tunnel, that would be us. <laughs> Absolutely. I think everybody, I've heard other people say that before too. It's like, well, he did, you know, three good things, <laughs> you know, cause he had three daughters who are thriving and doing well and doing good things, things for the world, you know, despite mm-hmm. you guys are not going to carry on his dysfunction. Like he carried on, sounds like his father's dysfunction. Right. You, know, you, right, right, kinda, right. you guys stopped the cycle. Right. And I'm almost thankful he didn't fight for me and Abby because yeah. I think that just would have ended in turmoil and more hurt. And of course it hurts that he was living his life and having pictures of us on the walls, but not making any effort. I mean, that, I mean, girls and boys across the world have that feeling, you know, Yeah. fathers are notorious for abandoning their children, Yeah. but I am thankful that he he did not try to pursue me and Abby. And um, thankfully, we weren't, my mom wasn't single um, for too long. Um, and we've, we've had a father figure growing up in those teenage years. Mm-hmm. So very important. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> You're lucky. It's such a strange time. I mean, I'm a mother yeah. of three and I've had two teenagers so far and I have yeah. one still a toddler. So I totally get that. It's like, um, I always say like kids turn into like aliens, you know, in their yes. teenage years and then they eventually come back around and, uh, and yes. human again. Absolutely. <laughs> 
Freshly is the easiest and most convenient way to eat healthy no matter what life throws your way. Freshly's team of chefs create all-natural, gluten-free dinners and deliver them fresh to your door. So even if you get stuck at work late, you can still come home to a delicious dinner cooked by a chef. No more worrying about having to figure out what's for dinner and especially no mess to clean up after. Freshly's team of chefs source the finest all-natural ingredients they can find and then work with nutritionists to ensure their meals are as healthy as possible. All of the meals are made to order and pre-portioned. A couple of my favorite meals are the sausage and peppers with tomato cauliflower rice and the steak peppercorn with sautéed carrots and French green beans. Freshly's menu is created by chefs for people who want to eat healthy but are living busy lives and don't always have the time to shop, cook, or clean. Customize your weekly meals from their constantly changing rotating menu of more than 30 chef-crafted options. There's no weekly commitment, so you only get deliveries when you want them. Every single meal comes with a detailed and easy-to-read overview of each ingredient featured in the meal. And let me tell you, there's nothing better than knowing that no matter what happens in my daily life, that I have a chef-cooked dinner waiting for me at home. Check out this week's menu created by Freshly's Chefs and get $25 off your first order of six chef-cooked dinners, plus free shipping. To get this exclusive discount, head over to Freshly.com forward slash podcast. You'll feel so relieved to come home to a chef-cooked meal every night with Freshly. That's Freshly.com forward slash podcast for $25 off your first order. So I'm curious too, to know what, certainly I'm sure you remember this because it was such a a pivotal, maybe not a pivotal day in your life, but do you remember when you heard the news that John had died? What did you, how did you feel about it? What were your thoughts? So he died my first week of nursing school and I was unaware and my mom was told And that following week, my family was coming to visit me for my white coat ceremony. Mm -hmm. And that is just like an induction into the healthcare world. And I got my white coat and my mom wanted me to enjoy that. And um, almost immediately after we got back to my apartment and she asked my stepdad to leave and she sat me and Abby on the couch and I knew that it was something to do with my dad. But the way she told it, I initially thought that he killed her. Oh, interesting. And I I burst out and um, I was like, oh, no, did he kill her? Like that, I mean, I'm just very blunt like that. Yeah. And, and you, I'm sorry, you like, thought he killed Tara or Deborah? Tara. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And so my mom was like, no, um, your father is dead. And my sister, she's the sensitive one. Yeah. And um, she started crying immediately. And I thought it was comical. Really? Because I I like to use the term desensitized. Sure. Like if I am telling someone about my dad or the story, it's almost like I'm telling someone else's story. Sure. So I wasn't upset at first. I was like, well, what a way to go. I yeah. Mean, if there was any way for him to go, I, I, I mean, I don't really, it's hard to come up with words. But 
it definitely hit me a week later. Yeah. And I became anxious and it bring it makes you think of all the memories. Mm-hmm. And then you then I start to learn that he's been he's had a life that I've only been imagining what he's been doing and it made me sad that my biological father was doing this and mm-hmm. was planning to do that. So that was very hard to grasp. And I think the stress of starting nursing school didn't help either. And I worked my butt off to get into nursing school. And I was angry that I was having to deal with this. And I was just angry at him. Mm -hmm. I was like, come on. Like, I can't catch a break. Yeah. Um, But like I said, I've become desensitized to it now again. And I, I don't know if embarrassed is the right word, Mm -hmm. but I went through almost like a Mm self-examination of, is there any trace of me? Is there any trace of him in me? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think I just, I just started to think like that. And I'm like, I'm his daughter, you know, like I'm his blood, like I'm half of him. And that kind of, it hurts my self-esteem Yeah. when I talk about it and when I think about it. But then again, I'm like, well, if anything, I have a golden mom who I would want to be, I want to be just like her. Yep. But that was a self-conflict I did have. And my sister did take it a lot harder than I did, but I cope with things differently. So. Yeah. And that, that's very, it's very honest of you to, to share that, even though obviously mm-hmm. there's nothing obvious and you know this, cause I know you're right. an art girl and you're logical, but I totally understand. It's like, there's nothing for you to be embarrassed about. There's nothing for you to worry about because I truly believe like, you're so lucky that yes, of course you have John's <clears throat> DNA. You do, but you were heavily influenced by your mother, which is probably the reason you're the person you are today and will always be the person that you are, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So you're, you're just so fortunate. I mean, imagine that you had John and then a mom that just wasn't as, Mm -hmm. or as caring, you know, be a totally different story for sure. And you know, one thing that you, you know, your dad contributed as well and your mom too, you like, you have two very smart parents, you know? Like, yes. Yeah. So it sounds like you and your sister definitely have benefited, you know, from that. And so, but I can understand where you're coming from kind of feeling, you know, maybe some embarrassment or whatever, even though everybody who hears this story is like, oh my gosh, there's nothing for you to be embarrassed about, but I can understand you feeling maybe that way for a while. Yeah. Let's see. So, oh, I know. So your mom had mentioned that John actually reached out to you on Twitter um, not long before he died. I found that so fascinating. Mm. What do you think his intentions were with that, with reaching out to you? I have no idea. And I tried to put the timeline together of where Deborah and him were in his relationship. Mm-hmm. Um. I can't come up with any logical reason of why he wanted to talk to me. And in this tweet, he tweeted me a picture of me and him. 
and said, I have something to give you. Hmm. And I, I did debate it. I mm-hmm. did debate. I just wanted to know. I mean, yep. I'm, my dad hasn't talked to me in what, 10, 12 years. And now he does. You, you're lying if you say that you wouldn't think about it. Of course. But um, my, my mom, I don't want to say she talked me out of it, but she said, Emily, I'm just telling you, you will be opening a door that is hard to close. Yeah. And um, I don't know what he wanted. I really don't. There was nothing I could have benefited. I know that. Yeah. So it probably was good advice from your mom, you know. But when I think about it further, he had told Deborah that I was like I was in not boarding school, but oh. in school, and that my sister did water polo. So I was I I just imagined if he wanted me to come visit and play the part. Right. Or to prove that he did have children because but, he would say to Deborah, okay, I'm taking my girls out for a shopping trip. And he would take pictures of random girls in the mall shopping. God, are you kidding me? Yeah. So I just don't understand. I can't imagine what his intentions were. Well, I think that that's actually pretty interesting that you said you know, cause I, my investigative mind wants to figure out what did mm-hmm. John want, you know, with this, mm-hmm. but, um, it's interesting that you say, where was he at with his relationship with Deborah at the time? Mm-hmm. Because I, I think I can see where you're going is that mm-hmm. you're thinking his motive was to get deeper in with Deborah, to use mm-hmm. you in some way to benefit his relationship with Deborah. So it's like, where do you think he was in his relationship with Deborah then at that time? Have you been able to figure out were they just married or? Um, no, they were, they were married. Um, but I just don't know if they were on good terms or bad terms. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really just not sure. Okay. So that, but that is interesting that maybe his motive was to serve himself in trying to yeah, stay. But in- then again, he was stalking me on social media and actually showing recent pictures of me like and just oh here's Emily doing so and so so he was showing the same person every time so mm. i'm just not sure okay that's that's interesting what were your impressions of Deborah and her daughters before John died did you know anything about them and before he died so I'm pretty sure that Denny Lucan um, let my mom know that someone had reached out to him about John, and that's how we found out that um, he was married to Deborah. So of course, we looked her up on Facebook, and there—I mean, her profile was private, and mm-hmm. we just saw a picture, and um, that was about it. I did not know that Deborah had daughters or really much other anything than that but with just hearing that he was married that did put a bad taste in my mouth because i thought he had maybe gotten his life together and he was living a normal truthful life mm-hmm. and um that's really as much as my thought process went i mean my mom was not going to reach out to deborah she like I said, once you open the door, she wanted to be safe. My mom wanted to be safe. Of course. Um, 
And if you start to pry in John's life, he's gonna, yep. you know, so, yeah. um, I did not know much about them at all. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And, and your mom and I talked about that a little bit yesterday and I totally understood where she was coming from. I mean, I'm sure her heart went out to anybody that was involved with John, but at the same time, if she reaches out and ticks him off in any way, I mean, she's going to get his wrath and it could be dangerous yeah. to you. Yeah. So she had to protect herself and her daughters. So yes. Did your perception of John change at all after listening to the podcast? What was it like to hear all these stories about him? And did you learn anything new about him? Um, I knew how evil of a person he was. And of course, I was not very fond of him for abandoning me and my sister. But I didn't know the extent of his cruelty. I didn't know the extent of his schemes with women and how many women there were. Mm -hmm. And that brought up the question of he is screwing these women over. And I wonder if he ever thought, I hope the men in my daughter's life are treating them better than I'm treating these women. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, I think that's, that's an excellent question. Because, you know, every dad is protective of their daughters if they're in their life. Yeah. And they don't want men to take advantage of them or to do them any wrong. So when I heard about this huge list, that that really shocked me. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, you know, like just even thinking in my own life, I have known men who maybe were not the best father for whatever reason, or the best husband, certainly not to the level of, of John, but I mean, just, just not as good as they could have been, but Mm -hmm. they still, their sentiments to their own children are, I hope that your spouse treats you better than I treated your mom, or I treated these women. Like they're human enough to think that. And I wonder if John was human enough to think that for his own daughters. Right. Yeah, that's interesting, too, that you say that. My listener, Tiffany, um, wanted to know, so you and your sister, correct me if I'm wrong, you have somewhat of a relationship with Tara and and maybe, you know, her sisters or, or her mom. What is that relationship like today? Are you guys all in regular contact? We actually are. Cool. Um, my mom so much with more more so with Deborah and um we have me and my sister talk to Tara we're actually planning a trip in a few months but um while we were in New York for the today show um i mean we we just joked around that we're stepsisters <laughs> and, and dirty humor we were out and when someone would come i'd be like Oh, who? How do y'all know each other? And she'd be like, "I killed her dad." <laughs> like it's 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 some it's something we can only laugh about. Now. Yes, totally. And we do have a bond, like a For very sure. strong bond, you know. Um, but I wonder if if it's ever weird for her because we are his daughters. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if any facial aspect reminds her of yeah. him. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, that's hard for her, but I don't, I don't think it is, but that was something I always was worried about when we, before we met, um, yeah. if that would bring back like bad memories for her. 
That's interesting. Yeah. Because, you know, when I talked to Tara, it terrified me when she said this, because I could almost just like picture her in this moment being so afraid. But she said, you know, kind of during the attack, there were times when John's face was kind of right in her face and that freaked her out. Mm -hmm. She didn't want his face, Mm -hmm. you know, like anywhere near her. So it's interesting to hear you say, you wonder if she ever looks at you or maybe your sister Mm -hmm. and thinks, oh, like almost like a flashback, like Mm -hmm. that looks like John, you know, and then also Mm -hmm. I talked to Tara and I asked her and I almost felt bad for asking because I know that she's had some level of PTSD after this. I mean, how could you not, right? Right. I asked her, I said, you know, how, how did it feel in that moment? Did you know that he was gone? Did you know that you had killed him? And then I asked her, you know, did you have any fear that his daughters would be angry with you? And she said, yes. I mean, and obviously you guys are so, you know, caring and you guys understand she was fighting for her life. And I I see that it doesn't seem like you guys have animosity toward her. But she's such a kind-hearted person. Mm-hmm. She was fearful, you know, that, that you all would be upset with her. And she carried that on her shoulders. Yeah, um, that was squashed almost immediately um, when that was brought up. But none of us were were upset. Yeah. Um, if it were up to me, I was never going to have a relationship with my father. Um, so, I mean, he he died in a horrific way. Um, and the, the circumstances are even more horrific. So I, I, I have no negative or harsh feelings towards Tara. Um, so, yeah, I, that's, that's awesome. And it's, it's kind of cool. I'm sitting here thinking, I mean, do you feel like you sort of gained another sister through this whole thing with, yeah, absolutely. That's how fun is that? You know, like Mm -hmm. that's another good thing that came out of this is that you, have a new sister, basically, you know, like in a friend. Mm-hmm. And even with Deborah, when I said goodbye to her, I was like, I'll see you later, mom. And we all, <laughs> we all giggled and laughed. And, um, That's while funny. we were, while we were sitting at dinner, my mom said, this moment would have made John oh. cringe. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? And, right. And wherever he may be, I hope he does. <laughs> I hope he knows, you yeah. know, just that's, I mean, whatever you are trying to accomplish, that this is the best karma. <laughs> it is. Oh gosh. It's, it's, you're exactly right. And it's like his biggest like pain point was, mm-hmm. was letting anybody know his true, like his secrets and his demons. Mm-hmm. And look what happened. This podcast mm-hmm. blew up and his secrets are out there and everybody mm-hmm. knows what he did. And he tried to protect that for so long. And, and all of you are all thriving despite mm-hmm. him. And so like you said, wow, karma, karma sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But on the latter, I do, I, everyone wondered what would it been like if he did survive yes. without like any brain injury. And he was like, if he would have been coherent and I think we're all thankful that he didn't. Yeah. Because who knows if he would have gotten a life sentence or who knows if he would have continued to harass people from his cell mm-hmm. um, or even have the or even be alive. You know, that I'm not sure. But um, and I also question if I would have tried to make contact after, mm-hmm. you know, just to write a letter and get my final word in. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. 
Yeah. And while I'm not somebody, you know, to go and celebrate anybody's death, no matter what person you are at the same time, to your point, if it had ended with him not losing his life, I, Mm -hmm. I, I have a feeling you all would continue to be terrorized and it just, it, yeah. I don't think it would have been good. No, 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 no. So, um, how has the podcast changed your life? How has the dirty John podcast changed your life? It, it's a great reference for when people <laughs> ask about my life yeah. because you can imagine trying to explain it all because you have to, mm-hmm. um, and there's so many aspects to it. Um, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. But it's hard to grasp how many people um, actually have listened to the podcast and what's being talked about happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's pretty, I think it's cool. You know, at first I was like, oh gosh, <laughs> you know, this, I don't know if, I don't know how I feel about it. Right. But, um, I don't know. I'm. I all I can say is I'm ready to change my last name. <laughs> um, and that's that's that. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that Mehan name. You know, it obviously it sticks out. And and as far as the number of people who have listened to this podcast, it's in the millions. So oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's it'd be that that podcast blew up. Everybody I come across, you know, because I'm a, obviously a huge podcast connoisseur and any, you know, any of my friends that come up and they're like, okay, what's your list? What, which are the must listen? Mm -hmm. I'm like, Mm -hmm. dirty John, no question. Just listen to it. And then let's discuss, you will not believe this story. You won't even believe it's true. Mm -hmm. And then of course, everybody who listens, they're like, that cannot be true. No, like it's just crazy. Um, it was made for, um, well, actually, that's my next question. It's almost like a made-for-TV situation, and I, you know, word on the street is there's a maybe a project in the works. So mm-hmm. What can you say about that, and what are your thoughts on a possible television production? So, going back to Dateline, they had such a short amount of time, mm-hmm. um, airtime, and as well with the podcast. I just think there's there's so much more. You know, there's so many specific stories that can even lay out the picture better. So that's my one hope. I think that's a very important part of the story. Maybe to highlight, you know, him leaving his own daughters. Yeah. Um, because that just sets the tone and how his brain is, you know, mm-hmm. he has, he has no remorse if he has the inability to love his own daughters. So I'm excited to see how it's portrayed and how in depth they'll go into it. You know, his death, of course, is the main part, the big bang at the end. But um, I think the story building should be really taken into account. I think so too. And just as a fan of the podcast, you know, I would love for them to go deeper. I watched the Dateline because I'm just been completely obsessed mm-hmm. with the story. So I'm going to read and watch everything about it. But mm-hmm. you're right. It was very condensed, which is how they do things. And they did a great yeah. job with the hour that they had. I would love to go deeper because I, like I said, you know, earlier, I think me, you know, and a lot of people, the reason why we're so fascinated with these stories is like we want to get inside 
what led up to this? What created this monster to have, you know, done all these things? And so Mm -hmm. to your point, there's a deeper element, a much deeper element to this story, you know? Um, Yeah. And I I would really like to see, I mean, I just heard things that John, me, my sister are related to the mafia in some way, shape or form and how that was his upbringing. And Mm -hmm. I'd love to see more of that. I'd also would love for it to be portrayed of when he was an anesthetist. That's a very prestigious career. And when the anesthetist walks into the room, I mean, and his, um, his responsibilities and the fact that he was not giving the drugs to his patients and putting them in his pocket. I mean, I just, I mean, if you don't come from a medical background, you don't realize the access that he had and the decisions that he made when it came to patients care. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's just another point. And that's frightening. I mean, me being somebody, well, any of us could end up mm-hmm. having to go under, you know, anesthesia and you put all of your trust into that mm-hmm. person to give you the right amount or to give it to you at all. So you're comfortable, you're not in pain. I mean, mm-hmm. how scary to know that there was somebody out there who could not be trusted, yet there were people in his care and laying on that bed you know, depending on him. Yeah. I just, that's mm-hmm. very scary. And I, I would be interested to go deeper in that and, and, and learn a little more mm-hmm. about that aspect. Mm-hmm. So Tara mentioned that you have a blog. Okay, what can you tell us about that? You still have a blog? So I have a YouTube channel. Oh, cool. Um, with me and my boyfriend and it's almost like home movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do vlogs. Like when I went to New York, I vlogged it. Um, I'm actually going to Peru in a few days on a medical mission trip, um, and I'm going to be vlogging that, and it's just um, like almost like home movies that we edit and we put together, and it's a hobby. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I think that's yeah. – yeah, she had mentioned that, and I – um my kids are all, it's so funny. I hate saying this because it makes me sound so old. <laughs> like, my son's like, mom, you have a podcast. You don't like, you don't really understand YouTube. And I'm like, honestly, mm-hmm. like I, I understand it, but like kids are like obsessed. People are obsessed. Yeah. I've just seen people blow up and become like mega celebrities and make all these millions yeah. of dollars on YouTube. And mm-hmm. it's insane. Yeah. TV has definitely taken a step back when it sure. comes to YouTube and people are in charge of what they create and mm-hmm. people like to see more realistic things, you know, some people. So yeah, it's a great, it's a great platform. It is. And it's interesting too, because back in the day, you know, with TV, it's almost like, you know, somebody had to spot you on the street and go, Oh, I think you could be a movie star. And then you've got to get an agent and you've got to be right. kind of chosen. And I mean, now it's like anybody can start a YouTube channel or a mm-hmm. podcast. And I mean, you know, depending if you play your cards right, you could blow up. So yeah, it's yeah. a different world. Yeah, sure. So um, I only have a couple more questions for you, but just kind of want to know overall, what is life like for you right now? What are you up to? What are your goals Um, and all of that? So I'm about to graduate with my BSN in nursing um, in May. And um, hopefully I will be me and my boyfriend. He's (laughs) in nursing school with me. Cool. And um, hopefully we will be relocating closer to my mom in North Atlanta. And um, he wants to... (laughs) 
ironically, become a nurse anesthetist. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. And um, I don't see myself going the anesthesia route, but I'm interested maybe becoming a midwife mm-hmm. or an, um, a nurse practitioner. So that's kind of our next goal. But um, we're just we're just trying to make it yeah. <laughs> these next few months. And, you know, hopefully... <laughs> <laughs> My name will be changed soon and <laughs> <laughs> just dropping that little subtle hint yeah, there for yeah. Dexter, but he awesome. definitely knows. Ah, <laughs> uh, you go girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I hope that works out for you. That sounds great. And I'm, I'm just so happy to hear that you're doing so well and congrats. You know, you're going to be uh, graduating in May. You sounds like you've worked really hard and um, I'm really curious to see, you know, where life takes you and it's, it sounds like it'll be things will be good. Yes. Hope. Um, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think you'll be just fine. I have a hunch. Yes. <laughs> um, given the success of the Dirty John podcast and, you know, then you were, you know, you had the Dateline episode, have various people reached out to you either like to work on spinoff projects or even just people reaching out as a fan, you know, of the podcast? No, not, not to me and my sister or my mom. This was this thought the podcast really was, you know, for Tara and the trauma her and Deborah went through. Right. Um, my mom, I tell my mom she needs to write a book. Yes. I think that is a great idea. Yep. But no, no one's reached out to us. I'm trying to create my own with my YouTube channel. <laughs> cool. No, I think that's well, and your mom mentioned that she may, you know, she's thought about writing a book. I said, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, I will be like the first in line mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there's just so much more of a story to tell. And I think that yeah. I, I would love to hear that. So I hope your mom does end up doing that. I know she is a busy woman and everything, but yes. I, would, I think all of us, you know, fans of the podcast would absolutely love to hear her point of view. Yeah, definitely. Very cool. Well, let's see. So, oh, I wanted to see, do you want to let people know how to um, get access to your YouTube channel? Yeah, so it's M and Dex, so E-M, the and sign, and then D-E-X. Very cool. And you can just type that in the search bar. (laughs) Very cool. I will definitely check it out. And um, no, I just want to say, you know, obviously, thank you again for talking to me. I'm so excited that your mom reached out and um, I couldn't wait to talk to you guys because I just want to get the story from all angles. And I I just couldn't wait to go a little deeper because even Mm -hmm. with the podcast did a great job, Mm -hmm. but you can only go so deep. And so I've learned some new things in talking to you guys. And as I've told Tara and your mom overall, you guys allowing this to go public, whether you had any control over that or not. I mean, I Mm -hmm. think it's just such a good thing because I know for a fact that women have learned things from you guys because they've reached out to me just knowing that I was going to interview, you know, some people from the podcast, they would message me on Facebook and just say, Oh my gosh, these women have helped me so much. So, um, have you heard a lot of that as well? Uh, Definitely. I mean, my mom's inbox, Tara's inbox, Deborah's inbox. I mean, it's shocking yeah. how many women have been through this or their friends actually are reaching out and saying, my friend is in this situation. This man is secluding them already. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like these men have a manual. Yeah. So Ugh. it's very, uh, it's, it, it happens every day. Yeah, it does, unfortunately. But I, you know, like I told your mom, let's not keep the secrets of these guys. Let's 
put it out Mm -hmm. there because women can learn from it. And it's probably a bit therapeutic, you know, for the victim Mm -hmm. about it. Absolutely. You know, and so um, I think that you're, you guys are helping people. And I mean, just in my own selfish way, thank you so much for (laughs) the Dirty (laughs) Podcast. I mean, and, and talking to you, I mean, I just, it's all very fascinating to me. I appreciate you chatting with me. Of course. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's been so great to connect with the ladies involved in the Dirty John saga. I think all of them are inspiring and a lot can be learned by them so bravely sharing their stories. Thank you to Emily for taking time to talk to me. I really enjoyed our conversation. If you all would like to get to know Emily a little better, check out her YouTube channel called M and Dex. That's E-M ampersand sign and Dex, D-E-X. As always, thank you so much for listening. I will see you all very soon. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a five-star rating and review. And don't be shy. Tell a friend. The word of mouth is powerful. You can follow the podcast on social media, on Twitter at MurderishPod, and on Facebook at MurderishPodcast. I have a closed group set up for us to discuss all things murderish. If you'd like to take your support for the podcast a step further, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash murderish. If you choose to become a patron, you'll get some extra perks in exchange. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash murderish. Murderish merchandise is also available at two online stores. Links to the online stores are available in show notes and in the about section of the Murderish podcast Facebook group. Thank you so much for listening and for your support. And remember, listening to this podcast doesn't make you a murderer. It just means you're murder-ish. Vacuum podcast is the best. No, it's not a vacuum podcast. It's a murderish podcast. Is that um what the what is murderish podcast? It's the best podcast in the world. Do you like murderish podcast? Murderish podcast, best in the whole place. Yeah, that's what I think. Hey, 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 everybody! My name's Lisa. And my name is Matt. And we are the hosts of Ivor and I Podcast. And we are trying to determine whether or not the punishment fits the crime. Wasn't Ivor and I met? Does the punishment make sense? Was it too lenient, too harsh, too rough, not enough? We're not sure, but we're about to figure it out. And do you think that we have the opportunity to determine now what happened after the fact? Who knows? Take a listen to our podcast, Eye for Eye Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, y'all. Nikki T here to tell you about my new Arkansas-focused true crime podcast. I'll be covering lesser-known cases out of the natural state. So join me on Mondays for all new episodes. You can find Strictly Homicide Podcast on most podcatchers, including iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, and more. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon by searching for Strictly Homicide Podcast and on Twitter at Strictly H-M-I-C-I-D-E. Y'all stay safe.